Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to turn to the 19th chapter of the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 19. And this is another one of those books or chapters in the book of Joshua, and as well as we find in several of the books of the Word of God, where you scratch your head and you say, well, what is this? That would be good for me today as we read through this and seek to study this. Well, I assure you, uh, <clears throat> I have these kind of thoughts too, and I have to keep saying it over in my mind that all Scripture is given by inspiration and it is profitable. So when I come to these passages as well, I struggle also. And so uh, today, though, I think we do see several things that we can learn from this chapter, uh, even though it is listed full of names and boundaries and uh, but there's still some uh, profitable lessons that we as God's people can take home with us today. But I want to do this just a little bit different than we did last week. This time I'm going to read the whole chapter and then we'll just give you a brief summary of what the chapter is talking about. And then I'll pull, I hope to be some of the practical lessons uh, from this chapter. So we're going to work through these names all the way down through uh, verse 51 of Joshua 19. <clears throat> and the second lot came forth to Simeon, even for the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families, and their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. And they had in their inheritance Beersheba, or Sheba, and Moleda, and Hazar Shul, and Bela, and Azim, and El Todlad, and Bethel, and Horma, and Ziglag, and uh, Bethmar, both and Hey Zarsusa and Beth Baoth and Sheruin, thirteen cities and their villages, Aen, Reman, and Ether, and Ashen, four cities and their villages, and all the villages that were round about these cities to Baalathbir and Ramoth of the south. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Simeon according to their families. Out of the portion of the children of Judah was the inheritance of the children of Simeon. For the part of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of them. And the third lot came up for the children of Zebulun, according to their families. And the border of their inheritance was unto uh, Sarid. And their border went up toward the sea and Merilah and reached to Dabasheth and reached to the river that is before Jachneum and turned from uh, Zared eastward <clears throat> toward the sunrising unto the border of Kislothtabar and then goeth out to Dabareth and goeth up to uh, Jephiah and from thence passeth along, on along on the east to Githahefer to Ithtakanzen and goeth out to Remanmeth to Nea, and the border compassed on the north side of to Hanathan, and thy goings thereof are in the valley of Jethel, and Kata, and Nahala, and Shimron, and Idala, and Bethlehem, Bethlehem, that was an easy one, and I messed it up, Bethlehem, twelve cities were their villages. This is the inheritance of the children of Zebulun, according to their families. These cities were their villages. And the fourth lot came out to Issachar for the children of Issachar according to their families. And their border was toward Jezreel and Kisuloth and Shuman and Hepharam and Shion and Anahareth. 
and Rabbith, and Kishon, and Abiz, and Remith, and Enganim, and Enhada, and Beth Pazis. And the coast reacheth to Tabor, and Shehazima, and Beth Shemesh. And the goings of their border were at Jordan, sixteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Issachar, according to their families, the cities and their villages. And the fifth lot came out for the tribe of the children of Asher, according to their families. And their border was Helketh, and Hali, and Beton, and Aksaith, and Elamiklach, and Amid, and Mishia, and reached to Carmel westward, and to shihor Limnath. And turneth toward the sun rising to Beth Dagon, and reacheth to the Zebulun, and to the valley of uh, Jephthal, toward the north side of Beth Emek, and Neil, and goeth out to Cabal on the left hand, and Hebron, and Rehob, and Haman, and Cana, even unto great Zidon. And then the coast turneth to Ramah, <clears throat> to the strong city Tyre. And the coast turneth to Hosha, and the outgoings thereof are at the sea from the coast to Akzib. Uh, Umma also, and Aphek, and Rehob, twenty and two cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Asher, according to their families, these cities with their villages. The sixth lot came out to the children of Nephtali, even for the children of Nephtali, according to their families. And their coast was from Helif, from Elon to Zananim, and Adamai, Nekeb, and Jebneel, unto Lakum, and the outgoings thereof were at Jordan. And then the coast turneth westward to uh, Asnoth Tabor, and goeth out from thence to Hukkok, and reacheth to Zebulun on the south side, and reacheth to Asher on the west side, and to Judah upon Jordan toward the sun rising. And the fenced cities are Zidim, Zir, and Hamath, uh, Ratkath, and Chinnareth, and Edomah, and Ramah, and Hazor, and Kedesh, and Edriah, and in Hazor, and Iron, and Megdael, uh, Horam, and Bethanath, and Beth Shemesh, nineteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Naphtali, according to their families, the cities, and their villages. And the seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families. And the coast of their inheritance was Zorah, Eshtel, and Irimish, or Irshemish, and Shealaban, and Ajalan, and Jathlan, and Eklan, or Elon, and Timanath, and Ekron, and El Tiki, and Gibethon, and Baalath, and Jehud, and Beabirach, and Gathrium, and me, May, excuse me, May Jerichon, and Rakon, and the, with the border before Japho. And the coast of the children of Dan went out too little for them. Therefore the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem, and took it, and smote it with the edge of the sword, and possessed it, and dwelt therein, and called Leshem Dan, after the name of Dan their father. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families, these cities with their villages. When they had made an end of dividing the land for an inheritance by their coast, the children of Israel gave an inheritance to Joshua, the son of Nun, among them. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked, even Timnathserah, 
in Mount Ephraim, and he built the city and dwelt therein. These are the inheritance which Eliezer the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided for an inheritance by lot in Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So they made an end of dividing the country. Okay, what we see here in this chapter is, of course, the division of the remainder of the tribes of Israel and the land that was given to them. There were seven, you remember, who had not claimed their inheritance, who had not gone up. They were a little slack. And so in the previous chapter, we saw that Joshua had urged them to get with it, as it were, and to get busy and to take the remaining uh, part of the land of Canaan that was theirs. And, of course, they were to draw lots, and which they did. And these were the, the categories or the boundaries in which the children of Israel then were left to them. And so what we see here then is the remaining tribes receive their inheritance. And we also see that Joshua receives a reward, as it were, for what he was doing and how faithful he had been according to the commandment, as we saw there, of Moses himself. Now, from that then, and from this chapter, we want to look at several considerations. And you may say, well, what could we draw from this? Well, actually, there are several things that we can see from this chapter that could be very helpful to the people of God at this time. <clears throat> First one is this. You remember now, this has been several years since they've gone into the land of Canaan. And as we said, this is the first time then they've ever, everyone has been taking possession of their land. And what we see here then is a, is a lesson in patience. Patience in waiting. They had waited and waited. In fact, they had waited some 40 years, remember, because they had to wander about <clears throat> the land of um, sin uh, before, previous to this, plus the time that they're spending now in the land of Canaan. And so, they were promised all this years before, but it is only now that they're able to take possession of the land. And so, what was needed here was great patience, or we might call it perseverance, long-suffering in their, in their walk before the Lord. You know, a lot of times, brethren, we want things right now, don't we? We want it right this instance. We live in a, a society that can get everything almost at the snap of its finger. But, brethren, it doesn't always work that way in spiritual matters, does it? There are often times we have to wait until God is pleased, God is ready, as it were, to give us the very thing that we may desire. We ought to pray for it, we ought to seek it, we ought to desire it, and those sort of things. But the actual bestowing upon it, though, is in God's timing and in God's way and in God's method. So, brethren, what we need, then, is patience. Look over in the book of Hebrews and we see this, and it's even in relationship to this very thing that we're dealing with in this chapter. Hebrews 10 and verse 32. <clears throat> he says, But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have a, in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise." 
So it's after we do the will of God, the fulfillment, you see, may not be right then. I have to counsel people say, well, you know, if you're in the midst of a trial, you need to be faithful. And they're expecting, well, if I'm faithful, then tomorrow the trial will be over. Not necessarily so. The trial or the affliction may continue. But, though, in the midst of all of this, you are to be busy doing the will of God. Notice again, verse 36. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Forty plus years it took for them to get into this land, and then whatever time it took them to get to this very point that we're at in Joshua 19, they had to wait. They couldn't just stop. Now, they were starting to grow slack, and then we saw in the previous chapter, Joshua has to stir them up. And brethren, that's the way we are oftentimes. We may be starting to get a little weary in our battle. We start to get a little weary in our fighting against sin and our, and our dealings with this world in which we live. And a lot of times we need patience and perseverance and stirring up. And in the next hour, as we deal again with the temptation that comes about us and how we're to answer the call to temptation, we're going to be dealing with this idea of, of being a help one with another and stirring one another up and, and pushing one another along in the ways of righteousness and truth. So, brethren, what is needed then in our walk with the Lord in a, in a day and time in which we live? In our society, in our generation, in the worldliness that's in, in the worldliness uh, excuse me, that's without, and the worldliness within, what do we need? Well, among the many things the people of God need, one of them is patience. The grace of patience. Continuing, persevering, long-suffering. And that means just what you think it means. Just as it sounds there. Suffering long. Brethren, even while we're doing the will of God and the supposed promise may not be right there at hand, yet nonetheless what we need is to be patient just as the children of Israel. Now, what's needed in this idea of patience? Well, let me give you several things. These are not necessarily all there is in the idea of patience. But one of the things, if we're going to be patient, is obviously we need faith and hope. Hope, you remember, is that grace of where we look to something that's afar off and we believe it's going to take place. And we long for it, we look for it, we hope for it. Well, the same thing is needed then in patience. What will keep us going is that there is a finish line that's coming up. There is an end of all this suffering and all these trials and all these temptations that we might have. And it's by faith and hope that we continue on, that we are patient, that we are long-suffering, that we are continuing. Again, listen to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What made them continue to believe that they were strangers and pilgrims was that they knew there was an end to it, though they themselves hadn't received it at that point. And brethren, we all have to admit how discouraging it can be at times to be a Christian, and the trials and the adversities that we have to go through. And we need that grace of faith and hope so that we would persevere or be patient. 
Now, again, we've messed up the word patience. We have the idea that doesn't mean to be get mad at our children. You, know, you need to be patient with your children. That's not what the word itself means. It means to continue, to persevere, and to be long-suffering. Well, another consideration is to, as we just said there, consideration of what is to come. You know what we have to look forward to? Heaven and eternity. So whatever happens in this life, as Paul relates it there in the fourth chapter of the book of Second Corinthians, it's nothing compared to the joys and the glory that is going to be ours in heaven. Even if we have to suffer martyrdom for our faith, brethren, it is small. It is a little thing in comparison to the grace that awaits us. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. You're not going to be ready to be martyred. That's true. I'm not. But Paul was, and Paul was the one who said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That he looked at his trials as being very short and very light in comparison to the glory that was being worked in him and was going to be worked there in heaven. Again, Hebrews chapter 11, he tells us, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they had came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. So, brethren, if we're going to be patient and long-suffering and continuing and persevering in this life, then there has to be an eyeing or a looking forward to this consideration of what is ours by the grace of God. None of it's earned. None of it deserved. It's all by the sovereign grace of God. Are we eyeing that? Are we so busy, caught up with the here and now and the struggles that are ours. And they're real. I'm not denying that. Those things are real. Paul doesn't deny his trials and his adversities. But he looked at those trials and adversities in light of heaven and the glory that is ours. Do we do that enough? Probably not. Or we wouldn't be murmuring like we do oftentimes. And then the third ingredient to this idea of patience is found in Romans 15. And verse 4, and you all know what this is. It's the Word of God. Listen to what Paul says, and he says it so ably here in uh, verse 4. He says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, that is, such as the book of Joshua chapter 19, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, notice the rest of the verse, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have Hope. So, what will be the help to us to persevere? What will be the the ingredient, brethren, in causing us to be patient in our waiting for our inheritance and our reward? Well, the Scripture says it's the Scripture itself. I mean, where else are we going to learn about the considerations of, of heaven to come except from the Word of God? And as we get into our next hour, we'll see again something of the importance of of the Bible and the daily life of the believer. And then fourthly, there's to be an eye to the source and to the author of patience. There's to be an eye or faith to the source and the author of patience. 
Where does true patience as a grace come from? Is it something that you and I just naturally have within us? We find out very quickly it's not in us, is it? It's actually from the Lord. And that passage of Scripture I just quoted from chapter 15 of Romans and verse 4, for what sort of things were written were written aforetime for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The next verse says, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Paul has to set before them the God of patience. So, brethren, where are our eyes once again? Is it just on the trial? Is it just on the adversity? Well, my friend, you're going to have a hard time persevering if that's where it's at continually. Again, we don't want you to deny the realities of trials, but in them, we want you to be looking at the right and proper things and have the proper mindset in these things or patience won't be wrought in you. Again, it's not something that we possess by nature. It is something that is above nature. It is something that God works in us. And brethren, we have to be faithful then to these things. So, one of the things we learn here as they went through this trial and adversity of waiting was that they were patient. We see, him, see them here ready to take the possessions. In other words, they didn't stop. And as Paul told the Hebrews... You haven't resisted yet unto blood. And that just simply means, God, you're not dead yet. You haven't died yet. So continue then. Be patient. The second thing we can look at this and see from our chapter is to be careful of our murmuring against God and His providence and others. Murmuring. We don't see a ounce, at least at this point. We're going to see it later. And we've also seen it previously. But at this point, we do not see the children of Israel murmuring. What an example that is to us not to murmur. You notice that Simeon had to receive a portion of the sons of Judah, or some of what Judah received. But notice, we don't see Judah here murmuring about it. What do you mean he gets some of my inheritance? I mean, that sounds just like it, doesn't it? What do you mean he gets part of what I get? That's just not fair. That's how we are, brethren. But notice, we don't see Judah acting this way at all. We don't see a murmuring tongue in his mouth. We see here that he accepts and receives the uh, the providence of God in allowing some of his inheritance to go to another brother, Simeon. How often are we ready, though, to murmur at the drop of a hat? Things don't go our way. I'm good at it. I mean, if things don't go my way, because this is all about me, you know. That's our mentality. It's about me. And if things don't go to please me, it's easy to murmur, isn't it? And Brethren, murmuring is not the small sin that we think it is. We think we're actually getting away when we complain and, and use our tongue to... Uh, to murmur against God or to murmur against the brethren or to murmur about our circumstances. Paul says in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians, Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. 
thousands died because of their loose tongue. And we don't give a second thought at times about murmuring and complaining in our circumstances. This again takes us back to the idea of being patient. And patient forbearing and putting up and all that sort of thing with with providence and the brethren and with God and His ways. There ought not to be a, a tongue that is given over to murmuring. But brethren, how easy it is, isn't it? To complain about our circumstance. Well, I'm more faithful in my job than that bo- that fellow over there and he makes the same amount of money as I do. And we complain and we complain and we complain. Or why is this brother exalted in the, amongst the people of God? I'm just as faithful as he is. And we complain and we complain. Boy, I wish my wife was as faithful as I see this man's wife. We complain and we complain and we complain. Our wife may say this about her husband. Or we say it about our children or about our parents. It doesn't matter whom we talk about. It's still sin. The brethren aren't nice enough to me. 